This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode of The Ringer F1 Show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. Armorall, chosen by champions. It is an emergency Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Megan Schuster back from Canada. They waited for her to come back. Guess who's also back? Daniel Ricardo is back on the F1 grid after a successful test on Tuesday at Silverstone. How about this? Nick DeVries loses his job via Philip Horton, Circle of Life. Daniel Ricardo replaces Nick DeVries at AlphaTauri, who replaced Pierre Gasly, who replaced Alex Albon, who replaced Brendan Hartley, who replaced Carlos Sainz, who replaced Daniel Kivet, who replaced Daniel. Ricardo. He's back where it all began. What a train of guys to just to just name some guys. That's a, a very fun tenure at Red Bull. And has there ever been more of an emergency podcast on this feed than Daniel Ricardo being back? I, I can't imagine news that would so, be more important other than F1 just ceasing to exist. So um, I thought it was fake. I thought I it was too. fake at first. I thought it was real that Nick DeVries was losing his job. That seemed obvious. Mm-hmm. Helmut Marco, but hinting at it, that there was even a schism of whether or not he was going to keep his job. Um, or, excuse me, should have had the job in the first place. That's even mm-hmm. worse than are you going to keep yes. your job is should you <laughs> ever have been here? Let's let's actually put aside whether or not you're going to continue to be here. <laughs> should you even be in front of me right now? That's what Helmut Marco said. Um, but, Daniel Ricardo has history, not only with Red Bull, but with Alpha Tower, who used to be Toro Rosso, as we know. That's that's where it all happened. Um, this begs a lot of questions, Meg. I got a lot of a lot of unanswered things here. I got a lot of notes, but when you heard the news, you thought what? Um, I was shocked, not at the news per se, but more so at the timing. Um mm. it, it seemed like the writing has been on the wall for Nick DeVries for probably about a month, if not longer now. Uh, a lot of news reports coming out that the, they're having the conversations. Christian, about- Horner, Christian Horner, the news has been writing on the wall for Christian Horner for about about six months now. 
S- since the signing Christian for Horror's Christian Horror, yes. just had a dartboard on it for the past six it, months. <laughs> it seemed like he finally convinced the rest of Red Bull to come around to his dark side maybe about six weeks ago. And then news has just been funneling out later. I think the the latest that I saw before this past weekend was that they were expecting Nick DeVries to have somewhere between three and four races, including Austria, to potentially turn things around before the summer break. Otherwise, they were going to reevaluate. So that, that I think, was what I was most shocked by, is that they didn't wait for summer break and just wanted to dive into it now. And then after that, I was questioning whether the Daniel Ricardo piece of this was true, whether it would just be a hungry fill-in for him while they waited for somebody like Liam Lawson to yeah. be able to get out of his current commitments and come join them and um, you know test the car and get up to speed on things. Um, and then when I heard it was full-time Daniel Ricardo, uh, this made me very, very concerned for our, our pal Checo. I think that's that's maybe my biggest biggest takeaway at the moment, having having parsed through my other emotions. So a couple of well-timed leaks from Red Bull going into this announcement. Number one, sources. This is via Lawrence Brown. Sources say Ricardo was impressive in the tire test mm-hmm. today on Tuesday and that his time would have been good enough for the front row of the grid if he had raced on Sunday. So hypothetically, if you took his test on Tuesday, he'd have been the front row hmm. on the grid. We, will, I, I want to get. I have a lot of points to make about about Checo. Um, I think that if you read the tea leaves of what Ricardo is saying, um, this seemed inevitable. Now, everybody who was in the paddock every single week said, "We'd have to lower his standards. Have to lower his standards. Have to lower his standards." We've known that he could have been in a, a car in Australia a few months ago if he had just lowered his standards on what mm-hmm. team he wanted, but. He went into the winter saying, I'm not going to do any F1-related activities. I don't want to even watch the races. I don't want to, you know, I just want to unplug and and do my duties for Red Bull, but just sort of take a sabbatical. Then he said he found himself, this was months ago, found himself in the gym doing normal F1 workout mm-hmm. training and watching every single practice session. And then the fire starts to build from there. And you realize you don't have... The reason these guys are elite racers is because they like racing. And you yes. and I like would like the idea of going to the Met Gala and making millions of dollars <laughs> being media members and walking around Austin, you know, w- with our cowboy hat on, but not having to do the racing part of it. Like that appeals to us, but we're also not wired to be one of the best racers of our generation. And someone who's won mm-hmm. eight Grand Prix is that. Um, the other part of it is he needed this. Because if you listen to all the Red Bull people and Daniel himself, he got some nasty habits as a driver at McLaren. Yes. Um, Ed's drawed a piece on the on the race about this, about how basically the cornering was real bad. By the way, the cornering on the Alpha Towery, also bad. Also bad. <laughs> and so um, there's uh I don't know what the ceiling is on this, except I know he's back in the mix. He wants to do this. He wants to maybe be in the maybe Red Bull promised him something next year. Checo hasn't gotten out of Q3 in five straight races. Mm-hmm. Um I think that I think that this is a happy medium, which is he quote unquote lowered his standards, but there's obviously the carrot of Checo looks like a a bartender right now, or somebody's going to be selling insurance this time next year, and 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 Ricardo wants to be in the good graces of a team that's going to make that change. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting time, I think, for a lot of reasons. Like like you said, Daniel kind of came into this season seeming really content to have the full year off, get his head straight, get in the simulator, prove to Red Bull that he could be a valuable asset again and get back to the way that he was when he was with the team previously. Um, but speaking of well-timed uh, news reports, I guess, over the weekend, Daniel went on Speed City on Sirius XM and said, that he'd had enough of a break now where he's got ants in his pants, quote, in a positive way. <laughs> well, um, he also said, you know, this po- is my... Wait, 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 what, what, in a positive way? In a positive okay. way. I, I don't know what a... Okay. I don't want to know what a negative way would be if he's talking literally, but okay. uh, it's, he made it sound like he was very, very eager to get back, that the, yeah. you know, however many months away had done him good, but that he was finally in a headspace where... He's ready to be out there racing again. And then, you know, lo and behold, a day or two later, he gets back in the car. So I don't know if he had any kind of indication pre-Silverstone that something like this may be coming down the pike, but it certainly sound like he sounds like he was ready. He had told ESPN a couple weeks ago that it would be a fairy tale ending for him to end up at Red Bull. And mm. going to what amounts to Red Bull's B-League team is the first step towards that. I want to throw out one thing which is as much as we're penciling in Daniel for replacing Checo this time next year, what this also does is it allows a true evaluation of Yuki. Because now we get to see, okay, he's beating Nick DeVries, but was Nick DeVries, was was as a farmer's league here, right? And, mm-hmm. and so you're almost getting in a situation where they have the second half of this season, once Daniel gets up to speed... Uh, they almost have the second half of the season for a race-off, a bake-off, frankly. Um, and who does better? And what do they want? I mean, like, part of the problem, functionally, Meg, is that Max Verstappen literally does not need a teammate to win the Constructors' Championship. He is winning the Constructors' Championship on his own. So he could literally just like name his mate from the Netherlands, who would just run around and get his, if he gets a super license, just r- literally just run around the track and do whatever he wants to do, take selfies, whatever. He could literally do that, and they would win the constructors championship. So maybe this is just like I, we all like Daniel. Let's put Daniel back in there. He's not going to cause problems, whatever. Or they want to sort of take Yuki and you know Scott Mitchell mom had this earlier today. Like, what does it say about the Red Bull Driver Academy that there was no one there, whether that's Liam Lawson or any of the there's there's two guys in F2 who are doing mm-hmm. fine. But like their whole thing is youth, youth, youth. And it's like, ah, we'll just take the old guy. Yeah, that was something I I was reading a a BBC piece by Andrew Benson today who kind of noted the same thing. He said this is, you know, a long ways away from when Red Bull produced Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, Max Verstappen, Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz. This is a step backward for them, for sure, in in a lot of ways. And I think seeing Daniel in the Alpha Tower is going to be really, really fascinating, both from a how he competes with Yuki scenario and also from his driving perspective, because this is going to be a really frustrating car. This is not a good car. They're last in the constructor's standings right now. Yuki has scored their lone two points with two 10-place finishes um, in Australia and Baku. The best he's done the rest of the season has been 11th in Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and Miami. And, I mean, we saw that Nick DeVries was putting up bad enough results to get canned after just 10 races. So, I think it'll be interesting to see him up against Yuki. I also think it'll be interesting to see his demeanor in the car if sort of this happy-go-lucky, I am back in racing again and super pleased to be here and back to my old form continues in a car that is not the Red Bull. Um, 
it, it'll be really fascinating. I, I think this is going to be a difficult test. Nothing about this is going to be kind of the walk in the park that a direct return to Red Bull would be. Couple of Daniel Carter related issues. He's obviously the most popular driver. I would say he's not the most popular driver in the sense that he doesn't sell the most merch. He doesn't have the most fans at the paddock uh, on on Sundays at the, at the race. But I think he's the most magnetic per- personality. I guess is the way mm-hmm. I would phrase that. He's the one that I think that a lot of people he exceeds his accomplishments with his fame, um, and that's not a necessarily a bad thing. That's all. I mean, that's all you and I are going for, right? Like <laughs> I, we're, we're not actually doing anything when people know who we are. Um, that's all we're aiming for here, and and so I think that him in Vegas is going to be a blast. I think the fact that he's got two more American races, Austin also on the calendar is a blast. Um, there's still a bunch of races left and there's four in the heartbeat of the European summer. Like I, I, I kind of think with low expectations with a guy who's happy to be there with a guy who seems to have found himself in the sim and the tire test. I believe don't overstate this. I believe we might have a summer of Daniel incoming. That would certainly be fun. Um, we should also note uh, when we're talking about Austin and Vegas that Daniel was previously committed to be doing two more alternate broadcasts for ESPN with Will Arnett for those races, which will no longer be happening. Um, I, I was reading an awful announcing story on this today where an ESPN spokesperson said they had no advanced heads up, but like, thankfully, they've got a few months to figure this out. But yeah, like a hot girl Daniel summer sounds pretty great. We're going to have a couple races before we have a break for the summer. And then I would imagine he'll just be in the sim, posting workout thirst traps again and, and getting really excited for the rest of the season. You know, and also, by the way, tough break for Logan Sargent that he's now the second most popular American driver on the grid. And <laughs> I'll say this, you know, it, it, it's interesting. So Yuki has gotten in the points twice. Yes. Nick DeVries has finished 12th, uh, which he did in Monaco, which I know is mm-hmm. a different deal, but it's still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Daniel can improve on that and finish in the points within a couple of races. And when that happens, with the release of the Daniel fans who just want something to cheer for, with Daniel who just wants to cheer for, with his Alpha Tauri that is an absolute shitbox, I think we're going <laughs> to see like the lowered expectations are going to make this significantly more fun. And guess what? When he finishes P18, people just say, eh, car sucks. Who cares? Like, I, I think that there's a lot of people saying, okay, he shouldn't have done this. This is a bad move for him. It's going to take the shine off him. No, like if he sucks, everything will be fine. And like people just blame the car. Listen, if he finishes P20 from here on out, that's a problem. If he if he exceeds track limits every single time and, you know, gets gets, uh, you know, 15 second point deduction every weekend. That's that's something. But Mm -hmm. I think generally um, expectations are so low that if he goes out and finishes consistently 13, 14, 12th, and then gets in the points every once in a while, that's a success. So I know that maybe it's not the most fun thing to do it, but if you just get to, you get to set your own expectations and then all you, you just have to barely do anything to be in a Red Bull next year to end your career, that I think is a more ideal situation than maybe we're giving it credit for. And that's where I think the timing of this announcement comes in really handy for him. We have just two races before the summer break, so he'll get two chances to really figure out 
what this car is capable of. And like you said, if he looks like crap in these two races before the summer break, we'll all have a month to forget about it to excuse any bad showings away before we come back. And he has, you know, a number of races to finish out the season. So I think if we start getting into September and October and he looks horrible across two full months, then that's a much deeper problem that both he and Red Bull are going to have to address. But he basically gets two just kind of freebie, almost exhibition-like races where if he goes out and does extremely well, then we get a whole month to build up this media narrative that he's coming for Checo's job. And if he doesn't do well, then we get a month to forget about that and get excited about seeing him on the grid again. So it feels like a win-win from his perspective. Let's talk about DeVries here. Um, you can have two simultaneous thoughts in your head. You can feel bad for DeVries, but no, it just wasn't going to work out. And we can do the what must happen eventually must happen immediately thing. By the way, that's just how Red Bull operates. They fire yes. people. That's what they do. Um, part of them having that junior team for a long time was that they they work guys in pretty quickly. And the language shifts. I mean, like, I remember... Ryan O'Hanlon brought this up to me a couple months ago where it's just like, Helmut Marco, they were just watching Albon and the Red Bull and Helmut Marco was like, it's just sad. And it's like, what? <laughs> he's still, he's still there. Helmut <laughs> like, Marco is, has never shied away from a controversial quote. And they don't, I, I respect it. He just it. says shit. He just says <laughs> shit. It's unbelievable. He's, he's a bit of a Jerry Jones type. You know, where he just, you just have no idea what he's talking about. He just sort of blurt stuff out. And it's funny because if anybody doesn't know, like Jerry will give his own press conferences in the Dallas Cowboys facility. And then the coach or the GM, who, you know, whatever, the player personnel guy, um, like they'll have their own message. But then Jerry will just sort of blurt out whatever. And so then you end up with like eight different messages inside the Cowboys. <laughs> and that's kind of what Red Bull is, where, where Horner will say 100%. one thing and then Helmut Marko will be like, oh, by the way, here's this. And be like, oh, he spoke to a German paper and said this, or he spoke to an Austrian paper and said this. It's really amazing the amount of success they've had with so many competing narratives. Well, and then you get Franz Tuss too, who's like actually in charge of Alpha Tauri and who has to try to make this stuff work within the B team. And so you have him kind of out here saying, yeah, well, we are still evaluating Nick and we are still trying to figure this out. But he also has to kind of keep the peace with the driver who is actually currently in the paddock while all of these other narratives are coming down from above. So it, it's wild. And I mean, like you said, Red Bull has a history of a quick trigger with, trigger with drivers. We've seen this with mostly at the top team with Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, and and like you said, um, Kivat in 2016. But like Red Bull has come to regret some of those in the past. I think most notably with Alex Albon, where it seems like they have a good relationship now and maybe he would return to the team at some point down the line. But like seeing him racing with Williams this year, it was sort of like, oh, okay, if he has a supportive environment and a decent car, maybe this would have worked out differently. I, I don't know that they'll regret this decision, mostly because it seemed like Christian Horner regretted it from the day that it was made and Helmut Marco came around pretty easily, but they, they love a quick exit. They really do. It's amazing to me how many things that Red Bull or Alpha Tauri go from, this has not been discussed. We're not even talking about this to happening <laughs> in a day. Cause Franz Tost actually said that the other day. He was like, yeah, we haven't had any discussions. He also said, mm -hmm. we don't decide Nick decides. And then he, I believe gave Nick, no races after that to prove himself. Um, so, oops. Um, and that's, I, I saw a quote actually from Franz also that said that it, it takes more than a year for you to get your feet under you in F1. But obviously that does not 
mix well with with the Red Bull philosophy, which is basically um, it's cutthroat. It's cutthroat, and I do think that in reading some of the tea leaves, it sounded like this DeVries hire to begin with was a little haphazard. Um, they didn't really like their options last year. Obviously, there were super license issues. All of a sudden, DeVries makes a cameo at Monzo, and the Williams looks good, and we say, okay, well, he's in the mix there. Mm-hmm. Nice story, but I don't know. Um, there's a reason Nick DeVries was in the paddock for a few years and never really got serious looks. Uh, I go back to something that I think a lot of people have. I thought it was a Lando Norris quote, but I think it's a Total Wolf quote that Lando Norris bo- borrowed. There are no <laughs> miracles in Formula One. There are no miracles in Formula One. Everything makes sense. Um, and so the fact that DeVries has struggled, uh, you get you, you get what you bargained for. And I just don't, I think it, sh- it shows some weakness in the system. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, obviously there's going to be changes at AlphaTauri um, as the year goes on, certainly after this year. And so, I don't know. Um, I, I think that Daniel Ricardo gets to paper over cracks and make us all happy and gets to do emergency podcasting. But at some point between Alpha Tower's management, Checo, all that stuff, um, this is a good vibe plastered over some real concerns. And then I also have to point out that they are going to run away with everything. Max Verstappen's going to win the Drivers' Championship, and they have the most dominant car in recent F1 history. So, uh, how's that for some contradictions in one take? I love it. I love it. Um, and, and looking back on the DeVries signing with hindsight, it, it's reminding me a little bit, and you can correct me if I have this wrong, of the sort of Bill Belichick Miami da- Dolphins fascination, where he loves to sign players who have played well against him. And it, it sort mm. of felt like Red Bull saw this one performance and was like, hey, that kid did pretty well. Why don't we bring him in for a shot and see how it goes? But a- as far as Alpha Towery goes, I mean, it was just earlier this year when there were rumors that Red Bull was going to try to shop that team and get rid of it wholesale. Yep. Now they're trying to sort of rebrand it ahead of next year. I don't believe that they've settled on a name yet or released too many details about that. But it seems like they're trying to really figure out what the direction of that team is wholesale um, because clearly it's not going very well right now. And even though they'll have now two drivers on that team who are pretty exciting and it's not really serving its purpose as a development team at this point anymore with, you know, Yuki now, I think is he in his third season now? And then obviously Daniel Ricardo mm-hmm. being a 34 year old who's coming in with, with hopes to potentially take over Checo's seat. I, I'm curious too what this means for Yuki's hopes for advancement. Um, if he sees this as hey, some sort you of heard, kind you of... You heard Franz. You heard Franz. No one decides except the driver. Yuki can decide <laughs> whether or not he wants that Red Bull seat. It's yeah, a I, it's a bake-off. I, I'm curious what maybe more we'll see out of Yuki going up against Daniel Ricardo too, if, if he sees this as a challenge now that he needs to beat out this guy in order to potentially climb the ranks in that team. You'd be foolish to think that that's not what this is setting up for because DeVries versus Yuki is not a thing. It's not Mm -hmm. a thing. And they don't get to see what that looks like. Daniel Ricciardo, a pro who knows what he's doing, who's been in the sim, who's been in that system, knows everybody versus Yuki. Like I Again, I said this earlier. It's going to be my last point. This is not necessarily about Daniel. This might be about Yuki. And everything is about Checo. (laughs) <laughs> Everything revolves around Checo, who has, uh, yeah, has had what one podium since Miami? It's a bit tough. Good stuff. It's Good stuff, tough. Checo. Yeah, yeah. Maybe really I, solid. He should zag. He should zag and start blaming the car. 
He should just be like, I don't, I don't know what this. I don't know. They're just giving me. He should do like the Lewis radio messages and get Horner to be like, I know. Just get him. Use so much reverse psychology that Horner has to give that. I know the car is bad. Just drive it, Checo. <laughs> radio message. That'd be incredible. The car um, won't turn. Did you see any videos of Daniel's test today? Because the only one I saw, yeah. he was spinning out, going around a corner. And then I heard well, the I quotes that afterwards. One. I saw him going was... down a straight and it was it looked fine to me. <laughs> I, it was just getting a little cognitive dissonance between seeing that video and then hearing Christian say he was like extremely competitive in the car. So obviously it was one shot, but that was the only one that I saw. So. And we don't know what tire they were on. We don't know the fuel level. Right. There's so many things we don't know. Tire compound. Right. We know we know what kind of tire. But um, mm-hmm. there's just, I, I, I would very seriously doubt that if Daniel Ricardo was in that car on Sunday, he would have been P2. Yes. That's all I'll say. I'll leave it at that. Yep. All right, I think pal, that's any fair. Any other points? No, I'm just really excited. We're going to have so much to talk about. Way to, way to go, Red we Bull, do. for giving us giving us this content was, across the rest of the season. This is a Dominicali on the cell phone in the back alley saying, <laughs> activate it. Activate it. We, Otherwise, we'll... Like, oh, should we have a, p- a playoff system? Should we, should we remove Red Bull from the grid? Or we should, we should do random sprint grids so that there's more <laughs> t- fairness. All these losers coming up with all this talk. And the only thing we needed was Daniel Ricardo. Bring Daniel back now. Otherwise, we will restrict your car going forward. That's the <laughs> trade-off. That's the trade-off. They were, they were going to get rid of their catering. They were going to say, we're actually going to punish you for your expensive <laughs> catering if you don't bring Daniel back. All right, yes. Meg. I'll uh, see you after hungry i don't even know if i'm doing that episode we have an nfl meeting on thursday to figure out my camp tour so you'll Mm -hmm. be there can't wait so so the listener the listener will see you um thank you to erica savantes for production off this has been the ringer f1 show on the ringer podcast network This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.